This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Raise Your Game. In ancient times, before the advent of advanced form communication, the only way to send messages was through human emissaries. And in times of war, there was an unwritten code of conduct in which a commanding officer was expected to receive and send back unharmed uh, these emissaries or diplomatic envoys sent by the enemy. This is probably where the term "Don't shoot the messenger" came from. So, how relevant is this in the modern world? You ask. Well, it's quite relevant. Today, we have our own version of shooting the messenger, where institutions penalize or castigate a person who gives feedback or information on non-compliance, infringements, or outright wrongdoing. Instead of giving them a framework of safety for doing what's right towards preserving the integrity of the company, institutions opt to transfer them, put them in cold storage, make work untenable for them, or even turn the tables on them and make them the scapegoats. Today, we have Human Equation founder Sheila Singham to discuss the concept of a safety framework or psychological safety and why is it important for institutions to have and implement it. And of course, Sheila is always back on the final Monday of every month. Uh, so, uh, Sheila, I love this. Don't shoot the messenger. But where does the, what does the concept of psychological psychological safety mean? Okay, so the concept was first defined by Harvard organizational behavioral scientist Amy Edmondson as a shared belief held by members of a team that the team is safe for interpersonal risk taking. So she explains further that it is a belief that one will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. Right. Okay. So that was the the history behind it. Now, why is it so relevant for institutions? I'll, I'll give you a few statistics first. So a Gallup poll that uh, was done a few years back showed that increasing psychological safety in organizations reduced turnover by twenty seven percent. Reduce safety incidents by 40% and raise productivity by 12%. And you might say 12%, not that much, but you know, that is among the institutions where it was conducted. And as you know, um, you know, everything is very relevant to the context of where the study was conducted. But I'm saying that if you can raise productivity by 12%, 15%, I say, hey, go for it. Why are we not doing this? And then again, Google did a study on what makes great teams successful. And they came up with a list of five key dynamics, okay? Psychological safety, dependability, structure and clarity. That means like clear goals and where we're going and so on. Meaning that employees find meaning in what they do and the impact, right? I guess which one stood out as the most important factor, Frida? So when there is no psychological safety, what you get is workplace silence. People don't speak up with new ideas. Right. Okay. And why do you think that happens? You know, the workplace silence that prevails in many institutions now. Okay. I believe there are a number of reasons. I think first, in a way, it starts with us ourselves. We've been brought conditioned by a very patriarchal society. Kind of in a way, we grew up probably in very authoritarian homes. And then our school system was like, you know... Um, don't speak until you are spoken to, keep quiet, don't ask so many questions and all that. 
right? So, um, so people people are told don't ask so many questions. People think you're ignorant. Don't admit your weaknesses or mistakes. People think you're not competent. And our family is set up, you know, this. Don't offer ideas. People may feel threatened or they may see you as being very like capo, intruding on their territory. Don't be too smart for your own good. Know your place. And of course, don't criticize the status quo because you want to be offending people or be seen to challenging authority. Right. So all this becomes part of what uh, Amy Edmondson calls our impression management. So we are always doing that, managing the impression people have on us. So we take it on. So it becomes like a cage in which we um, cage ourselves. So I've had, you know, I've had CEOs and leaders saying, no, you know, I give them the opportunity to speak, but no one wants to speak. So it's like, you know, sometimes you open the cage door, but people don't want to step out. They don't know how to step out out right so we often go to work or live in places where the cage door is not open we are not encouraged to step step out so we stay in this cages of silence and when the cage door is open we, we don't know how to come out we choose not to step out because we are so conditioned so that's one area that it lies with us right okay so and, and i've heard of these you no know, veiled threats right where someone speaks up and then the person short of saying you know well you can try to find work elsewhere especially during this time Right, so it's not short of saying, uh, you know, and in in a in a calm and to, you know calm manner, but the underlying the veiled threat of go and find work elsewhere, or when someone speaks up, and then after that person uh, about a situation that affects an organization, the person's taken aside and said that you know that was very disrespectful to me for having brought up that question, and so and it's so such a contrast to what the organization's supposed to do, and yet you know. That, that kind of, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a veil thread, right? And and you mentioned our own need for impression. Uh, so, okay, th- that reluctance to speak, you know, is, is not the case with the whole workforce of today, right? Mm. No, no, you're right in saying that. I mean, there is a whole group, a generation of people there who are not as bound by impression management, and that's the millennials, you know? They're the ones who want to speak up and actually who are speak and who are speaking up to bring about change, whether it's at an organizational level, whether it's at a governmental level, you know. And they, they because they're the social media generation, they used to speaking out in the public domain. Mm. All right. And they have very strong beliefs. So for people who come and tell me that the millennials are, oh, all they want is self-indulgence, they are very enabled generation. I don't agree with that. I believe that they have very strong beliefs and they are, they have a very strong value system, but it's a different system from what the older generation has. They march to the beat of a different drummer. So that's why they often appear to be in conflict with managers from the leaders, from uh, from the baby boomer and Gen X. And mm. so, but then, you know, that when they speak up, they're told to keep quiet. Oh, y'all are just new. Y'all are young. Y'all don't know anything. We've got years of wisdom and all that. So after a while, they say, you really don't want our ideas. And they've got fantastic ideas. I mean, I work with millennials all the time and they come and give me great ideas. And I'm like, wow, very impressed, right? So, you know, prolonged conflict. If you keep telling them, keep quiet, keep quiet, they keep quiet. And then they leave. And then your turnover rates go up, you know. And I think that's an indication, right, when people leave, right? Now, you mentioned on our own need for impression management as a reason for workplace silence. So aren't the leaderships of institutions also equally responsible for psychological safety that will give people the freedom to speak or the lack thereof? 
Absolutely. I mean, of course, you know, many of us come through life, we go into the workforce, we go into the world, we've got limiting beliefs and all that, our, our values imposed on us from, you know, outside forces, right? But when we encounter an environment, a milieu where we are encouraged to come out of those cages, where we are encouraged to leave behind those limiting beliefs, where we are empowered and motivated to step out of our comfort zone into new territory, then that's when people flourish and blossom. So mm. organizations have to take the lead in creating the environment for psychological safety. You see, mm. they have the power. As you said earlier, uh, if people come and talk and then you say, uh, you want to get another job or, you know, I can I can move you to some far off, you know, region or regional office there, right? So they have the power. So it's in my opinion that instead of using the power to suppress people, organizations should use it to create an environment that encourages collaborative discourse, ideas, questions, even a whistleblowing policy that's safe when things go wrong. Because when mm. they don't, um, they penalize people for bringing things up. That's where pe things begin to go wrong. So I'll give you a story, right? I, I, was, I was reading and the story of this Armenian king Tigranes who killed the first messenger, brought him news of a huge advancing army. So the messenger says, you know, there's this huge army coming and all that. And he killed it. He didn't want to hear the bad news. So needless to say, after that, no one wanted to come and give him the bad news. So without any intelligence at all, he sat while the war was blazing around him, right. giving ear only to those who flattered him. Does it sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the emperor's new clothes. Absolutely. So if you're only interested in favorable financial reports and how everything is hunky-dory, you don't want to know about the ripples and rumbles. You don't want to know about issues like unfair treatment, bullying employees, racism, sexism, sexual harassment, all that. And you don't have a, re a framework for reporting all of these complaints, mistakes and all these things or even new ideas for improvement. You are seriously asking for trouble. We see that all around us now. Empress new clothes. That's what I'd call it. Right. And uh, we'll continue our discussion around this psychological safety with Sheila Singham from Human Equations. Stay tuned. The FF 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Race Again. Frida Liu here, speaking to Sheila Singham from Human Equation. She joins us for the last uh, Monday of the month, and we're talking about psychological safety, right? And we we talked about the repercussions of psychological safety and how you know that can really affect an organization. To me, I, I always I always have this image of when this happens, it's like uh, the termites. In the, in the bottom of a building, right, that looks really good and it's just eating away at the core of the building and one day it just crumbles, right? Mm -hmm. So how then can institutions encourage an environment of psychological safety? So I, I will approach it from two levels, a macro-organizational framework and an angle of what leaders personally need to do. Lah. Because it's psychological safety, it's, it's not just, you can have the most perfect framework, right? for it and set it all up, all the rules and regulations there where recently we had one leader saying that, oh, you know, we are very fair and open and transparent and all that. And then a video goes circulating that shows that a senior leader in the organization is berating a very sexy statement someone else, okay? So, I mean, you, you, you can have that, but it's also the people. So let's look at the organizational 
framework. But I think I suggest that all organizations, and not only those that need to comply with governance, um, you know, issues, that all organizations, SMEs, anybody, and everybody who has a business needs to have a clear governance framework in which specific actions are spelled out and cascaded down to the ranks. And sometimes you need to spell it out. A simple thing like taking home office supplies to help your children with the homework at home is wrong. Mm. Okay, this just needs to go down to really basics, okay? And then you need to have a fair, confidential and independent whistleblower unit. The problem is now your whistleblower unit in your organization is parked within your organization with your people in your organization who are there to listen and, you know, uh, execute whatever or not, you know. And then, and of course, so the best thing is to have it administered by an independent group of people, not part of the mainstream organization. So all those people who are working in governance and all that, I think there's a great business opportunity there. Set up these independent governance units mm-hmm. and offer your services to companies. So it's outside people. I feel so free coming and talking to you. And if there's no interference from the, from the administration, um, then uh, people will feel free talking. I think our government really needs that, by the way. Uh, and okay, so another thing that we need to do, companies need to do, is set up an innovation incubator, right? That meets regularly, once a month or whatever, however often you want to brainstorm problems, improvements, solutions, new ideas, encourage discourse, ideation, and performance enhancement at an organizational level. Mm. And then, more simply, a framework for giving and acting on feedback that can improve company performance without prejudice, all right? And, of course, when you want to encourage people to do all of this, give them an incentive for problem solving. If you have a a solution or an idea that can save the money, uh, a company money, or make more money for the company, then you need to be rewarded, love. Hmm. Right. So these are some of the things companies can put in place. Right. You know, it, I think also one of the things is like when people don't see it is when they are still profitable. Mm. Right. And and they don't see how it's a problem now because mm. they're so profitable. Right. Mm. So so how do you then talk about the importance of this? Because until until you see, whoa, okay, people are leaving, we're not profitable anymore, people don't want our solutions, and it's always a case of too late, lah, too little, too late. Right? How do you, I guess, get that message across before, you know, before it's taken seriously? I think it always goes back to companies need to keep going back and re-evaluating what is their vision, their mission, their strategic intent, their brand promise, their value system. You cannot start your company 20, 30, 40 years ago and still be having the same vision, the same mission. I mean, the world has changed in one and a half years. All companies need to go back now to the drawing board as far as I'm concerned and relook your vision, mission, your values and, and the way that you're doing business. And in that, in that, you need to build in this framework for psychological safety. If you're going to just look at the money and the profits and the bottom line and survival and mm. not look at the people, which is your biggest asset as far as I'm concerned, and not looking at the needs of the people to be creating an environment where they thrive and they're happy to work and, you know, they're giving suggestions and being able to take ownership of the company, then I think you're really missing the whole point of why you're doing business. Mm, right. Okay. Uh, you know, okay, what about individual leaders? How can they advocate and promote psychological safety? 
okay so the first thing is it starts with them okay mm. they need to look at their own character and behavior so they need to start transforming into being more authentic transfer, transparent and open don't la be like the emperor with the new clothes only one flattery and good news the one to take feedback keep asking for upward feedback acknowledge personal weakness you know i i think that they need to turun ke padang do a walk about at your at your um workplace go down you know to the machine room the the delivery room where everybody the where the drivers hang out and just talk to them Okay, talk to people and have an. Uh, so this is about active listening. Have an open door policy without filtering to encourage approachability. Let anybody come. So have a time where you say this this day my door is open. Anybody can come, and then be open to ideas different from your own. Like what you said earlier, you know when when you go and give ideas and then the leader comes and says, "Oh, you're embarrassing me, humiliated me, yeah. and all that." So that should not be it at all. And then another thing is. Give your hundred percent attention to people at meetings. I hate it, you know, when I go to meetings and the leader thinks it's his prerogative to answer the phone because he's like so important. What about the people there who are giving you ideas, talking to you? Aren't they important? Aren't they more important? You know, because they're helping you to run this company, right? And of course, uh, have regular town halls, right? And another thing, if you want people to interact, you set ground rules, lah. When uh, say like you and I and a few others in a meeting, and then you say something, and I interrupt. No, no, Frida, I don't agree. That idea is good. That should not be allowed at all. No interruptions, no profanities, no name calling, sexist, racist statements, shouting, no blaming, and all ideas accepted equally. And one more thing, lah. Every time there's a meeting, ah, uh, just decide, take turns for people to make minutes and make notes. Why do you always put, put pick the woman? In that meeting, to take the minutes and do the notes. For me, that's a subtle form of sexism, if you ask me, right? And of course, ultimately, you want to develop a learning culture. Use every mistake, every failure, reframe it as a learning experience. Now, what can we learn from that? And how can we move on from it? And not as a blame game. And organizations, I, I always, I just recently heard someone who's in conflict within his organization. He said, "You know, I'm so tired of it. Every time we meet to discuss solutions, everyone is looking at what's the problem and who to blame rather than the solution. So these right. are just some ways that you know I have to suggest." Right, you know, and I've heard of organizations where where is uh, you know suggestions are met with silence, where it's not even acknowledged, and I think there is that like wow. Uh, it's even the it's the the game you know like a, a psychological game that you're playing right where if it's one thing at least you're acknowledged but when there's just silence it's like okay wow that means my thoughts are not important at all. Well, if you are in a meeting, uh, you know when you're asking for suggestions and there's absolute silence, mm-hmm. instead of pointing a finger and saying what's wrong with all these people, uh, I give them a chance to speak. They don't want to speak. Could I ask yourself why are they not speaking in the first place? Why is everybody in that room not saying anything? Got to look back at yourself, or you got to look back at the culture of the organizations where they go for other meetings with other leaders, maybe aside from yourself, where their ideas are not accepted, they are clamped down, they they told you know like that lah. They are told like, oh, why did you bring that up at the meeting? Now, I, I have seen this happen. An organization tells me that oh, come in and do um you know focus group studies, and we want to know what the people think and all. And finally, we came up with an entire report of what the people think. Fingers all pointed to senior management. So when we had a meeting and senior management started bringing up, you know, problem solving and all that, 
offsite after the meeting, a few of the managers went and said, why did you have to bring that up in the meeting? It made my department and me look very bad. And then I'm looking at, but you said you wanted transparency. So, you know, you got to really walk the talk. Right. Okay. So we're talking about psychological safety. Uh, what can we talk about next, uh, next month? Okay, let's do a drill down from psychological safety. I, I've been hearing a lot of cases of people being bullied at work and they're taking it. They're taking it because they've been given this subtle threat, like what you said, like, if you um, answer back or question them, you know, find another job. Like, you think in this pandemic, easy is it to find a job? So this right. kind of thing. So, so let, let's talk about bullying. It's a very real thing. I mean, it's happening at governmental level, at organizational level, at every level that we can see here, you know, unif- um, sort of uniform bodies and all that. I don't want to mention. Yeah. But um, yeah, let's talk about that, Frida. All right, uh, Sheila Singham from Human Equation. Uh, we've been talking about psychological safety. She'll be back the final Monday of October uh, to talk about bullying. Uh, so uh, you've been listening to Race Again, the FM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.